Global Fly Fisher Podcast, recording on the uh, Danish winter coast. It's February, mid-February, and this is Global Fly Fisher partner Martin Jorgensen speaking. And um, today's podcast is going to be about winter fishing on the coast for sea trout and winter fishing altogether. And uh, I hope I can penetrate the waves here because they're it's quite rough we have a, a bit of a wind today so um, because of that we also have waves and even though we've found a place where we're a bit sheltered for the wind it is uh, a rough sea and uh, a lot of uh, turbulence both in the water and in the air so it's it's pretty rough the temperature is uh, just below the freezing point but because of the wind it is really really cold and uh, I have to have both a, a hood and uh, and some gloves on when I'm not fishing and uh, right now when I'm fishing I'm I've taken off the gloves because I hate fishing with my gloves on so yeah to experiment a bit with the microphone here because as I said it is pretty noisy and pretty windy I think this might be a bit better than just before let me get into the water here and put out a few casts it's a uh, it's pretty rare to catch anything in in the salt in February uh, it's it's very cold here as I said and uh, we uh, we usually don't see or feel anything. We can go for a whole day, but on the other hand, once we get into a fish, it's often a pretty nice fish. Most of the spawning fish are in the streams, and uh, the ones that go out here are fish that are eating and, and have skipped spawning for this winter. In Danish, we call them overspringer, overspringers, literally um, fish that spring over the or skip over the spawning and uh, and just stay in the salt all winter and uh, and eat and those are really really fantastic fish and uh, something that any any Danish coastal angler or any angler going for sea trout would love to to catch um, usually these guys are are pretty big too. We can have some really nice fish. Fish that have spawned before but won't for some reason do it this year. We also have an, another term. In Danish we call them Greenlanders. Um, 
these are fish that are they haven't spawned yet, young fish that also stay in the sea for the whole whole winter and again really beautiful shiny and nice fish but fairly small fish that won't that won't go into the streams at least not to spawn if they go into the streams it's often because they go in there to find fresh water or or food so um, when we're fishing in the winter it's often these big shiny fish that skip spawning that we go for or it's the Greenlanders which are really smallish fish that often go in big schools and because of that you can often run into some pretty decent fishing actually once you find them but uh, well the problem is finding them right now we're fishing on the the open coast and we're uh, actually facing a large body of water here uh, this is usually a very good place for for spring and autumn fishing and even in the summer when we find some of the deeper parts some of the the reefs and the points that stick into the ocean this is a, a really good place to go but the rule of thumb is that in the winter you would probably prioritize going into the fjords the fresh water parts of the of the ocean where you have um, streams emerging and, and, and flowing into the sea because that makes the water more fresh and less salt and that is definitely something that that winter fish prefer because they have a problem with the salt in the water when the, the water becomes cold enough but we thought we'd try this and also because of the wind we needed to find somewhere where we had a bit of shelter and we do have shelter here and I have a, a, a small cliff in my in my back which just takes the worst peak of the wind and actually enables me to cast if I look out uh, further out I can see how the wind sweeps over the over the water and, and really creates a lot of uh, a lot of havoc and uh, right here where I'm standing even though we have the waves as you can hear we also have casting conditions which are, are acceptable and uh, and we have a band of uh, seaweed and, and, and stones and rock just in front of us before the deeper part of the, uh, of the, of the ocean and uh, that is just about one cast wide and it's just perfect for fly fishing <coughs> so as long as you can keep your fly free of the uh, of the cliff in the back and the rocks and the stone, stones on the beach well we're actually doing fine here as regards with regards to fishing and casting so yeah <clears throat> let's give it a, a few casts here and see what happens this cold which is about probably close to the freezing point or at least no more than um, a few degrees above it's um, the fish are pretty slow and uh, for that reason you have to adapt your, your fishing a bit to uh, 
to what you expect the fish to be able to to see and what they want to to follow and and the way they act and um, the way you adapt to fishing in the winter is in several ways you can fish a, a line that sinks a bit I have an intermediate line on right now and that just kind of brings the whole rig down a bit because the fish will often go along the bottom on a, on a day like this just thought I had a fish there. Unfortunately it was a, the bottom, which is a good sign actually, except for the fact that I think I'm going to lose my fly here. Uh, no, going along the bottom is good because, as you know, may know, the really cold water will go to the surface opposite many other fluids. Water has a, a strange way of, uh, of, of acting and it actually goes to the the surface when it's cold, which is pretty lucky for us because most fluids actually go go down. And if that was the case with water, well, the ice would sink and the whole sea and everything would just bottom freeze. But um, as I said, that's not the case with water. Water actually is the heaviest when it's about four degrees centigrade or just a, a bit about above the the freezing point and. Um, that means that the water along the bottom is actually warmer than the top water on a day like this. And because of that, you can actually expect the fish to dwell a bit deeper in, uh, in really, really cold weather and, and just follow the bottom water. Um, got my fly loose there. It's a, actually a, a pretty nice trick. I waited out until I could roll cast over the fly. It's not that deep here, and uh, in the when I when I did that, I uh, I could actually roll cast and in that way pull the fly away from from my casting direction, uh, or rather in the casting direction, and then away from the rock where it was stuck. So I actually have my fly free again. That's a pretty simple and, and nice trick. And as I said, the fish will be deep, and you can actually by fishing a, a fly that goes down and, uh, and a fly that that, um, that goes along the bottom, you can actually reach the fish. Also, you want to fish a bit slower than you usually do. So uh, the fish are pretty slow in the cold water and that's, that's of course, important that you, that you don't strip your fly too fast for them. on sticking on the bottom here is I said that's a pretty good sign actually because that's a sign of fishing deep enough but it's also pretty annoying because I keep on having to go out to the fly and pull it loose in order not to to lose it and uh, well that's a price for fishing deep as long as I just keep you know pulling the fly and don't hesitate to long when retrieving it's actually okay and I hope that my fly is fishing as close to the bottom as I, I can get without snagging on the, on the seaweed. I just 
watched uh, the first of two DVDs yesterday, actually, by a Danish uh, a Danish uh, guy called Nils Westergaard, and uh, he uh, he has made a couple of really really good DVDs on sea trout fishing and. Uh, what is special about them, apart from the fact that they're very good, is that they contain a lot of underwater footage of, of sea trout underwater, of course. And, uh, and it's quite interesting to see uh, how the fish actually behave, because that's something we can mostly just guess about, because we don't see many fish on very few occasions in very clear water under special conditions we actually do see fish but in most cases it's uh, it's blind fishing over spots where we believe there might be fish and having seen Nils's DVDs and seen how the fish acts I actually more and more believe in fishing closer to the bottom I've been fishing fairly heavy flies and, and with a, a special technique for the last kind of couple of years or something uh, where I have, uh, I have fished very concentrated as soon as the, the cast, as soon as the fly lands I kind of let it be there for you know a few seconds even maybe like 10 or maybe even more seconds and just let it sink and when um, when I then start retrieving the first couple of times I pull the fly, I'm really, really concentrated because I've uh, experienced that it's actually very common that you get a take, you know, within the first couple of pulls. And having seen Nils's underwater footage of fish, I might have an idea why, because these fish are actually just slowly swimming around close to the bottom and not at all hunting or you know ferociously and fast swimming around you know chasing prey but actually just kind of leisurely swimming along and uh, I could easily imagine that what actually happens is that my fly just sinks slowly toward the bottom and no fish really take any notice of that and might just swim past in the case that they're there but in the moment that I that I pull the line and the fly starts moving there's an, a reaction the fish might turn and and go for the fly and I, I just leave it there again and nothing happens and the next moment I pull and the fly moves again and that way I actually without really knowing it may imitate the behavior of some of the uh, very common uh, queries that sea trout have like like small fish and, uh, and shrimps that actually kind of just dart about on the in, in the in the water just above the bottom and uh, at least my experience has been that it's been pretty good once we've found fish anywhere it's usually been very productive to cast out and just leave the the fly there for a while before you know just slowly and easily start pulling it back and uh, these DVDs sure enough confirm that there might be a, a good reason for that
I'll probably return to them, the DVDs that is, because they're very well produced and uh, I know that Nils is thinking about translating them or at least uh, subtitling them in, in, in other languages as it is right now. He's um, recorded the whole thing in, in Danish and, uh, and the narration, his own narration is in Danish too and uh, that of course limits the, the audience a bit. In the weblog on the Global Fly Fisher I'm actually linked to a couple of his uh, his trailers where you can you can go in and see and if you can if you can uh, ignore the the Danish or in some cases maybe just understand a bit of it it's it's quite interesting to see the the, the, the clips of uh, of these uh, these trout underwater it's uh, it's a, a, a learning experience definitely so uh, another reason here. As I said, in the winter, particularly when the water is cold, the fish will seek down to the to the bottom because the water is often warmer down there, and there are better chances of food items being being located down there and moving around. The very little food that is in the water is probably close to the close to the bottom, and uh, because of that, I I really fish my way slowly you know, along the bottom and just take it easy with that. Sometimes I get a, a few snacks, but that's the price for for being close enough. Also, as I said, I just retrieve just a bit more slow than I usually do. It's not like I do the figure of eight or anything like that. It's not like really, really slow, but it's just, you know, at a pace that is more aimed towards fish that really really aren't that, that active. I remember fishing in, in Canada once from from the ice where we fished through through holes in the ice and uh, where we could actually see these Arctic char in the in the in the water and see them on 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 the on the bottom there and since the, the ice was uh, was covering this lake you could imagine that the water was pretty cold and these fish were just so slow you wouldn't believe it. It was really, really amazing. We were jigging them, which is very common in uh, in that part of the world, through very small holes, like you know, a few inches inches wide, and you could actually just, you know, you would lie over the hole and create a shadow, and then you could see the fish on the bottom there, these really, really slim, you know, starved fish. They were definitely hungry, but they were completely unable to uh, to move fast it was so obvious that they they had a very hard time turning towards this jig and you would have two or three or four fish just really slowly circling around and you would actually just drop this jig right in between them and still what you what you saw was just a fish opening its mouth and trying to get a hold of the jig and missing it because of the very slow movements and then another fish would just turn around and open its mouth and actually what you would do is what you do with jigs is actually just you know jig it up and down in the same place and wait until a fish was really close and then just you know keep it as still as possible and hope for the fish to open its mouth right about where the jig was and then strike this was fishing for food so uh, it was pretty important to get a few fish. We were out on the ice on the, on the 
snowmobile and the skidoo and uh, and uh, we needed something to eat so we we were fishing to to catch and kill but uh, it was fun anyway and and really uh, really a thing that could teach you uh, something about how fish act and react in really really cold water and definitely if if there's any comparison at all to what I saw that day and what I might might experience today I definitely have to move my fly really really slowly here because uh, there might be fish out there but if they're as slow as these jar they don't stand a chance if I if I pull in the fly too too quickly so that's at least one thing that I think you should you know care for when you when you fish in the winter and that's probably any type of fishing is that the fish are really slow in in cold water it's not like they can't move or they don't swim around because they certainly do but uh, it is just in an extremely slow pace once you get a fish here in uh, this water which as I said probably is about three to four degrees centigrade or just above the freezing point you actually realize that fish can be pretty strong in in cold water they 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 act or react like they would usually do in in even warmer water and and fight pretty um, pretty good but uh, like when you fish in really warm water they tire out really really quickly and I mean that's within half a minute or so you will actually see the fish losing its energy and and slowing down unless it's a really big and well-fed fish and uh, because of the cold they just drain their energy within seconds and uh, you actually have to be pretty careful with with fish that you want to release again in, in really cold water because uh, they're very vulnerable once they're once they're kind of slowed down and and um, and not fighting anymore and as soon as they get in touch with the air it's really a big problem a, a fish that is so close to the freezing point I mean it's it's it a fish is the same temperature as the water it's in obviously it's a cold blooded animal so if the water is three to four degrees the fish is also three to four degrees so when you pull out the fish of the water into air which in this case is below the freezing point it freezes I mean it, it, it instantly freezes that's within half a minute or so it actually just forms ice in its body over its eyes the slime on the outside of the fish will freeze and you know it will definitely die you can't revive a fish once it's frozen there are very few fish in the world that can actually freeze and thaw and live on and trout is not one of them so if you want to take a picture of a fish like that well it's you who have to freeze you have to keep your fingers in the water keep the fish in the water and lift it up out of the water for just a few seconds to have it photographed and then get it back in the water immediately and revive it and, and, and let it go and I can tell you in water like this that is going to give you a set of very very cold fingers but never ever 
pull the fish out of the water and put it on the beach, on the seaweed, on the ice, on the snow or anything like that because it freezes immediately and the first thing that freezes is its eyes which are extremely vulnerable to, to cold. So any fish you want to release, keep it in the waters as long as possible, lift it out, get the pictures taken and put it back in and then, well, you might have a set of cold fingers but you also have a, a picture of your fish. So that's a very important thing to remember when you're fishing in the winter. Fight the fish quickly because they tire out quickly and leave them in the water for as long as possible and never ever put them on the bank or the beach when it's freezing. One thing that I, I want to cover too uh, with regards to fishing in the winter is of course clothing and um, as it is right now I'm actually pretty comfortable even though it's uh, both windy and, and very cold in the air the water as I said is probably very close to the freezing point and if I stick my fingers in it definitely feels extremely cold but actually I'm quite comfortable. I'm not cold anywhere and my fingers are a bit on the cold side but it's not like I'm freezing or anything even though I don't have any gloves on. Uh, whoop. Snack my fly in the back cast there. It's, the wind is pretty turbulent here so it's uh, it's like uh, sometimes you just make some strange casts. Oh, it seems alright. No, um, what I do is actually try to stay warm for as long as I can, meaning that I, when I walk, for instance, I wear gloves. And I say gloves and not like, I mean, really mittens. Things that are really warm and comfortable and that I can tuck my fingers into. I have a set of fleece mittens with some wind barrier or something like that, which are actually quite good. Uh, also, typically on a day like this, I will bring something hot to drink and I prefer tea with sugar and lemon which is really a, a thing that is full of energy a lot of sugar and lemon into a, a thermos full of hot tea that is really good and it's a lot better than coffee for instance coffee will will not heat you very much coffee is uh, is, uh, is warm of course but it, it has a different effect this sugary you know, warm tea is just really a lifesaver. It, it does really give you a lot of energy. And of course, my, my clothing, particularly what I wear under my, my, uh, my jacket and my, uh, my waders is very, very important in weather like this. I mean, it, it cannot be emphasized enough that you can put on almost anything you want in the way of jackets and waders and all kinds of thermos and insulation as long as you as long if, if you don't have on you know the proper garments underneath it, it doesn't really matter people who know me and people who've read my articles here on the global fly fisher will know that i've covered my affinity 
towards breathable waders quite a lot and I'm wearing a set of breathable waders right now even though everybody you ask, almost everybody you ask will tell you that winter fishing is for neoprene waders I would say don't listen to them make your own, I mean go out there and, and experience how it is yourself before you listen to anybody else there are very few places in the world that I have been fishing in the winter where these heavy-duty five-millimeter, you know, rubber-booted neoprene waders were actually the solution to your problems. They might be a few places where you have extremely cold water and, and rough current, like when you're steelheading or something like that. It might be the case I've never tried, so I wouldn't be able to say that this doesn't work what I'm wearing, but everywhere else that I've been the neoprene, sorry, the uh, breathable waders have worked extremely well and as I said right now I'm, I'm actually more comfortable right now than I was yesterday sitting in my living room in my normal clothing uh, even though we had the heat going and everything so the neoprene breathable myth let's kill it once and for all you can easily stay warm in breathable waders. It's just a question of wearing the proper stuff underneath. The breathable waders, of course, are just a very thin layer of fabric and they offer no insulation at all, no heat at all. It's just a layer that keeps out the water and let, lets the moist uh, seep through. And what you want to do is that you want to make sure that the moist that your body produces the sweat basically is moved away from your skin and out towards the outer layers of uh, of whatever you're wearing as quickly as possible so that you stay dry on the inside and uh, so that any condensation and any moisture gathering will gather as close to the uh, as close to the outer layer as possible the way you do that is actually just by wearing what is often referred to as technical clothing. You will notice that a lot of the newer clothing from, from brands and, and non-brand manufacturers of, uh, of modern clothing, you will you'll see the term or hear the term technical clothing. And when that is, is said, it's, it's often a, a term that is used for clothing that helps the body stay dry and warm in a way that, that you know, garments couldn't do it for, you know, just a decade or two back. You need a sweat transporting layer or two, typically thin, uh, typically it will be wool, alpaca wool or something, a natural wool of some kind, or it may be a synthetic fabric that has the ability to suck up moisture and really get it away and always feel dry even though you might sweat a bit. Particularly your toes, you want liners under your socks and these liners have one job and that's keeping moist away from your, or transporting moist away from your toes and into your, uh, into your uh, your, your socks with your thick socks which you have on for 
for insulation. And uh, and then you um, you have the same thing. You have long underwear that, as it is right now, I have a pair of thinner th socks which are which will transport the sweat away from my toes. And then I have a thick pair which are there for the heat. And I have my underwear which are just fairly thin, you know, synth synthetic. Then I have fleece pants. And then I have my breathable waders. And uh, then I have actually, I have, I'm wearing a, a cotton, uh, a cotton t-shirt, which I just like. I like cotton, and usually it doesn't really uh, do it. It actually does quite a good job regarding uh, sweat, as long as you're not really sweating, like when you're walking very far. Then I have two fleece jackets. One has, one is a plain fleece jacket, and one has a layer of windstopper. And on top of that, I have my uh, my wading jacket, which has no insulation. So it's actually I have two layers on my legs, which are in the water, apart from the the breathable waders. And I have three layers on my upper body, which is actually more than enough to keep me warm. And as uh, long as I'm in the water, it's it's okay. It's not really extremely warm but it's it's okay and when I get up and start walking I I will be warm within minutes uh, and I won't sweat and the stuff won't be my clothing won't be damp or moist or anything like that and that will definitely keep me warm for a whole day no problem I have have a, a a hood on my head with a layer of windstopper and keeping my ears warm is really important and, and wearing something that really insulates and, and keeps the wind out there is pretty important. Uh, if you freeze your ears you actually really will get cold. It's like as soon as you freeze one of the extremities like your face or ears or your toes or your fingers it's about time to you know get out of the water and, and regain you know, the heat and the warmth in, in, in your body. And there's nothing more uncomfortable than fishing and freezing. Nobody wants to freeze. Anglers don't want to freeze either, so... Well, I think uh, I'm, I can see my friend Henning on the beach here. He's been taking a few pictures and uh, actually a few pictures of me too and hopefully I'll be able to bring some of them on the website and uh, he's kind of you know packing up now and I think we probably want to move on I've been casting here the last half hour or maybe even more and there's absolutely nothing here so I think this is about the time when I say uh, goodbye and thanks for listening once again to the Global Fly Fisher podcast uh, let me uh, let me know what you think about these podcasts and if there are any subjects that you want me to cover as it is right now. I I actually don't get out that often because of the, the weather and the conditions here. It's been almost a month since I was out last, or rather it's been a, a week since I was out last, but a month before that, so it's not like I fish every second or third day as I usually do. So I might cover some indoors activities. If you have any suggestions, let me know. If you have any questions, 
regarding particular aspects of fishing, I would be more than happy to try to uh, to answer them. Um, and apart from that, just let me know what you think. It's always fun to hear from people, and uh, I'm actually, as I've said it many times before, standing here talking to no one. I have no idea basically what people think. I get a few reactions, and most of them are positive, luckily. Uh, but uh, basically, um, I'm talking into thin air here, so uh, give me some, uh, some feedback. And uh, I'll leave it at that for this time and uh, bid you farewell and uh, have a good time until we, um, we meet again on these, uh, these podcasts or on the website. And uh, thank you uh, again for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.
That was track number 14 from the album Cypress Grove Blues by Jag from Magnatune.com.